Just be like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, okay. Do you, <laughs> do you want to do the intro again? <laughs> we did it so well last time. Um, <laughs> okay. Cat's asleep, so. <laughs> right. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Storybook Cafe. That's Nicola. And that's Amy. And today we are talking about depression. Woo woo. <laughs> how how are you on on the depression scale this week, Nicola? Oh, oh that's a good question. Mm. Oh. Um oh what what's the sliding scale? Are we it's... going saying like ten is the highest? Whatever or... you... it's your scale. It's my scale. I'm gonna put myself yeah. at around about oh, a six or a seven. Yeah. No. I'll go for a six probably. So is that is that more depressed than not or less depressed than not? <laughs> I would say ten's the most depressed you ten's can be. The, ten is the top. And one, one is not depressed at all. Okie dokie. I've gone. You know they give you if you've ever been to therapy, they give you that like yeah. thing that you fill in and you say, you know, so, was it never, sometimes or every yeah. day or whatever it is. Um I always forget where that what that scale is. And they're really annoying as well, actually, them. <laughs> I know, yeah. I, like, I don't know. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, I'm just sort of like, maybe? I don't really know. Yeah. Depend- that's me. It changes hour to hour if I'm going yeah. to <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yes. Yeah, on the depression. I've definitely had a had a knockback of depression this week, but um, a death in the family will do that to you, mostly. Well, yes. Yeah. <laughs> It's one of those, isn't it? It's one of those, um, one of those things that happens. But that's and that's something that I was I was thinking about as well, actually, in terms of like we said this before, but you know they're so intertwined, all of these different issues that sometimes grief and depression are, are hard to separate out mm-hmm. into what's what and whether you've whether the grief has triggered a depression or whether you're sort of like handling the actual grief relatively well and you're just depressed anyway or whether it you know kind of what what's or yeah, is that how not to depressing? separate it out sort of thing yeah and I think to some extent it doesn't it's it's less important what you call it as to how self-aware you are about what you need to do to look after yourself yeah yeah I would say but how would you describe depression to somebody who who didn't know or you know kind of haven't hasn't had it I think if um, it feels like a very sort of like a soaking wet blanket that's just sort of keeping you down. Mm. It's sort of like you just feel heavy and cold um, and just sort of cold, you know, emotionally and physically. Yes. Um, <laughs> Spiritually. Yeah, all of it, you know. Uh, like I was saying to you before, like saying how basically how often I just said I don't care anymore. That sort it's that sort of feeling of just like there is literally nothing going on emotionally. I just mm. don't care. Or it's just sort of like getting stressed or sort of snappy about very s- small things. Mm. Or for for me personally, it's like getting stressed about the fact that a room is um, messy. Mm. And I'm just like, huh, my depression's acting up today because I'm very stressed about the mess in this room. Mm. Or like feeling unfocused, um, that you can't focus on 
certain things, whether that's like just watching a TV program or, you know, trying to do work. I think it just feels like just a very sort of heavy, cold, dead feeling inside. Yeah, that sounds about yeah. right. <laughs> just, you know, oh, really. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's weird because my instinct absolutely is, unless you go like really far into sort of like somebody properly going over, like if you were upset, I obviously wouldn't laugh in your face when you said you feel dead inside. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because that would be a terrible thing to do. <laughs> um, but when you're describing it, you're not, you're and you're not in the darkest place, mm. and you're not in that. You're not quite as overwhelmed and overcome in that headspace as you, as you have been, or you, yeah. you know, kind of could be. Then I do feel like my definite way of dealing with so many things is to just make a joke of it. Because oh, I'm the same. The, yeah, the only way you can deal with it, otherwise, you're just like. As you say, like it's it's dragging you down anyway, mm. and sometimes being able to find the funny side of it, even if it's in how um, how terrible something is, yeah, it just helps you keep your head above water a little bit, doesn't it? It just definitely, yeah. I just I mean, need to, yeah. need, need to need to feel some sort of like okay, I, I you know this week probably I've probably been. I mean, I cry most of the time, but oh. this week I probably cried to my partner God knows how many times. Yeah. And But somehow I would feel so ridiculous for crying because I wouldn't know what I was crying about. That I'd just be like, I've got to become a... I have to be a bit more heightened to just make it a bit funnier. Yeah. So, like, I wouldn't... So even though I was feeling pretty shitty, mm. just trying... Just basically being like, Oh, I'm weeping so much. Yeah, and just having something to cr- to laugh about as well. It Definitely. just, I don't know. Well, this is a thing that's happened with me where somebody has said they sort of you know there's there's that slight disbelief because I'm I'm quite a um, smiley, eas- easily I I laugh quite easily mm. and I make jokes and stuff and so people are a bit like you can't be depressed because you don't. <laughs> You've got the wrong attitude. Yeah. <laughs> You've got to be full on emo to be depressed. Yeah. Like, where's your depressed card? You know, come on now. <laughs> but you know, it's 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 not a personality trait. It's no. that's the that's the kind of distinguishing feature, really. Versus, you know, kind of somebody who's generally a touch grumpy and a little bit nihilistic as a personality thing, and somebody who has a mental health issue. Yeah. <laughs> That's yes, what yeah. your dividing line is. So, so yeah, so you can be somebody who comes off as relatively cheerful mm. and still have issues with depression because the depression overcomes that cheer and it overcomes that optimism that you might still be trying to cling on to. Mm. I mean, the the scariest sort of depression that I've had has been that when you properly go to that place where it's like really hopeless and you're like there's no point in trying to do anything or or not like or not not even there's no it's not a decision you can't do things because you feel too as you said like heavy everything feels like way too much effort and you don't have the energy to do anything you feel exhausted all the time and and then you think 
I can't change this because I'm too tired. So what's the point in anything? And like, especially if you have sort of circumstances which are making that depression worse and you think this is, and you get into that headspace of it's never going to change, you know, and especially if you then start thinking about like society as a whole and you think just the world is so awful and there's all these awful things happening and it's never going to change and you get into that spiral of just hopelessness and I think it's the hopelessness which is scary because they there was a really brilliant quote um from somebody and I've completely forgotten who it was (laughs) Um, but if I can find out again I will um but it was that if you are depressed and you're getting to the point where you have some sort of suicidal thoughts whether that's just like a a kind of um imagining that you're not here anymore or imagining that you're going to that doing something which just means that you're not here anymore um that's not you wanting to not to live anymore that's you not wanting to live the way that you have to live at the moment anymore that makes sense yeah and as soon as they like they explained it much better than me (laughs) (laughs) i'll try and find it but but that was that really got me because i was like yes like that is absolutely it it's not that decision to go i don't want to be here at all necessarily sometimes it's i just can't do this anymore Mm -hmm. i can't do this version of how i feel or what i'm dealing with or whatever it is um and if you can't if you can't see a way out if you can't see a change or you can't see how it's going to get better then that's when you're tipping into the danger zone of it not being just something that flits across your mind and you think oh shit I really need to get some help with this you know and you're in the danger zone of oh actually this might be something that I'm actually in danger from sort of um sort of thing so I think that's that's really that's a difficult thing as well because you're like kind of um I I've always found as well that kind of ideas around that um it probably should be a different episode actually that kind of as a as a as a thing but I've actually found that um my my anxiety and panic attacks tend to lead me more in that direction than depression depression is just Mm. like i want to sleep forever yeah i just want to go to sleep and i just don't want to do anything and i don't want to and i can't like and i think that's also really difficult to imagine that you'd like um you'd be in bed and you would be like i need to get up to get some water but you just can't muster Mm. the energy to do that and like it's just not possible to imagine that you have the energy to get up and go into the kitchen and get a glass and fill the glass up and drink like it's just that just seems completely unmanageable and that's where it's really really disabling that's where the disability aspect of it comes in I think um and as you said like it's it's a weird thing because I always feel like there's surface emotions are happening but that under the underneath that kind of very surface emotion is where the numbness is and where it's just nothing's really coming through. 
So you might be able to have a little laugh at something, but it just all sort of stays on the surface and there's like this barrier between you and the rest of the world where you're just numb. And it's just grey. And oh, yeah. fucking that brain fog. Jesus Christ, that is terrible. Oh my God, yeah. Oh my God. Like, just the fact that you can't push through and actually think. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah, you just sort of like, I'm sorry, but my brain can't focus on this or just process any of this. No. I forget. <laughs> yeah. You forget words. Yeah. Oh my God. I've, I've, um, at my sort of like worst moments mm. I've sort of read words and just been like that's not a real word is it and it'll, be some, <laughs> it'll be something it'll be something so simple like I don't know duck <laughs> and I'll just be like well that's not a real word what, what what's that meant to say and I'm like oh yeah nope that's a thing <laughs> I had a I just remembered this I had a little incident like a, a few well I can tell you exactly how many years ago <laughs> six years ago because it was I'd forgotten how old I was <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I was in bed thinking about it going I don't know if I'm 23 or 24 I've no idea oh shit do you know what and actually I've forgotten I'm 31 and not 30 so <laughs> <laughs> entire thing is just an absolute shambles but like I was literally lying in bed going I can't remember how old I am (laughs) I actually had to sit there and work it out and I was just like oh my god (laughs) I I, I did a similar thing the other the other night I can't remember what I woke up and I'd completely forgotten something I can't remember what it was but it was something so simple like Mm kind of on the same level as like my name or my age <laughs> but I can't remember what it was now but I've just completely forgotten it and I was just like wait why am I why have I forgotten this yeah this is ridiculous <laughs> oh dear there is it's weird as well is that a lot of I feel like a lot of comedy comes from those really awful kind of situations mm. because at some point, I think I think where I find the comedy is that you're if you, when you're in it and you're properly stuck in it, it's it's the worst thing ever. But there's something that my brain does, which basically kind of like puts me outside of the situation. You know, it's sort of like it's almost as if you're like out of body experience. Sort yeah. Of where you're looking at yourself going actually objectively, this situation is kind of ridiculous and therefore funny, mm. and that's where you can find the kind of definitely yeah it's sort of like are you saying it's sort of bordering on the ridiculous and sort of being like look either looking back at it or you know having that sort of dissociation with it yeah you sort of just be like wait why did that happen yeah or like actually looking at looking at this from a different point of view that isn't the one that's colored by just hopelessness and horribleness it's actually kind of funny and I (laughs) that's that's definitely kind of really brought me out of some situations before so uh, you'll remember well that when I first moved in here I had a really bad night and I did call you and was like oh everything is uh, terrible but also (laughs) also I also remember telling you and at the time I'd, I scooped up Puss Cat to give him a cuddle because, you know, a cat's purr is very soothing and lovely yes, and, yeah. and, you know, I can just sort of stand and snuggle him. But it was about it was about 11pm and I was stood, 
I think I was just wearing like a big old old big t-shirt as a nighty with my cat in my study which looks out directly onto the street but it was really late but the, none of the lights were on because depression yep. <laughs> so, and I wasn't actually sort of in this room for most of the time so I just scooped him up and brought him in here and I was, I was just stood there like kind of swaying gently with the cat and then a couple of people walked past the window and glanced at him. <laughs> and I just thought, like, what do they think? I must have looked like this like bizarre ghost woman cradling this cat, <laughs> swaying from side to side. And just the thought of what their perspective was on the situation made me laugh. Mm. Even though I was still <clears throat> feeling awful and still really not not doing okay just having that moment of going I bet that's weird for them (laughs) (laughs) just really helps kind of be like oh it's you know what no you can still laugh actually yeah um so that's yeah that's definitely kind of helpful but it's it's I think the thing that that is really hard is how it impacts on your ability to get anything done Mm -hmm. and that means that you then start with those those thoughts of like oh I'm I'm just crap because I can't do stuff yes yeah definitely a feeling of basically being like oh my god I'm so useless I'm not being productive I'm not using my time well oh my god all the time is slipping away oh my god I'm old and never gonna get anything done and oh my god (laughs) (laughs) that's what I mean I don't know whether everyone feels like that or whether that's just me. No, no, that sounds like <laughs> me. <laughs> just sort of like that spiral of like, oh, the time is running out. Oh, my life is over. Yeah. So like, and it sometimes can be that these thoughts are going round and round in your head in like racing round, but you physically can't, you're not moving. Yeah. <laughs> but your brain is just doing something ridiculous. It's just, um, yeah, doing somersaults about all these sorts of things. And you're just like, but I don't have the energy to do actually yeah that sort of thing and also just just starting something yeah feels like too much and sometimes I can start something and be like oh no actually I can do this now that I've tried it mm-hmm. now I've gotten the first step done I can actually do it and I'll feel better because I've done something but sometimes I'll try and just fail <laughs> like just not be able to do it you know um and you'll just go halfway through you'll just go I I don't have the I don't have the energy for this I was right I should have Mm. I should have just not bothered and that's awful because you're there like yep no I was right I'm shit I can't do anything um (laughs) but I think fundamentally what depression is about is your it's like your brain is overloaded and it short circuits to give you a break you know like when yes yeah you know so like I think even though I'm not remotely techie at all I think of it like an electrical current like a circuit and basically you've become overwhelmed with emotions Mm. or you get overheated yeah exactly (laughs) so your your sort of brain circuit just shuts down because how it's protecting you so depression is protecting you because you're feeling too much you're overwhelmed and depression just goes we're just gonna like put a blanket of numbness over the top of this because it's too much and you need to rest and you need to not be this um overwhelmed and like emotion there's too many emotions and you just need a break and then we can restart again in a bit but you need to have a break and I think that's part of the problem because of the way that our society tells us how 
Mm. If you're not doing anything, you're not worth anything. So it affects your ability to to work in particular, but also anything at all. If you can't, because you like, you know, you don't want to do anything. You don't want to socialize. You don't want to do anything. You just want to sleep or possibly if you can manage to like read or watch a thing just because you're awake and you don't want to just sit there with your thoughts um and our society is telling us that that's not acceptable and that's where a lot of the shame comes in yeah it's like society tells us that we for us to be valued as human beings we have to be productive 24 hours a day Mm. and it's like well that's not possible yeah like you're saying like when you do get overloaded and do have to have just a, a few moments just to shut down mm. you know that that's when yeah like you're saying the feeling of sort of shame and the feeling of sort of guilt and uselessness comes in mm. because you are just sort of like but I can't do all the things that I should be doing or make me mm-hmm. a human being and it's like well, no, sleeping is a human thing. Yeah, resting and resting looking... is human. You know, yeah. just being able to not think mm. should be allowed. Yeah, and I think this is where there's been a bit of a problem in terms of how the term, the idea of self care, has been co opted to sell people stuff. Mm. Um, because self care in it, at its core, like, is is you looking after yourself so that you can keep uh, keep going effectively. Mm-hmm. And it was actually um, Audrey Lord who came up with that term of like self-care, which is like you look after yourself because if you're a person who is oppressed and marginalised, nobody else is going to do that for you and you can't fight the battles you need to fight for equality and fight for other people and do what you need to do to try and make the world a better place if you're not looking after yourself Mm -hmm. because you will burn out and you will become overwhelmed and that's absolutely true so you know her her sort of stance on it is like self-care is an act of political resistance and that's where it came from but obviously it's been commodified um and i think a lot of the issue as well is in terms of because so like people when talking about depression they'll say you know depression lies to you and it tells you that you're not worth anything because that's how it works but actually i think that part of the reason we get into that that spiral of thought is not because it's necessarily inherent to the illness so much as it's inherent to the way our society works and it's those messages that we've always been thrown at us all the time as we've said that you can't rest you can't take time for yourself that you're not allowed to do that and if you do do that you're not worth anything and if you are unable to do particular things you're not worth anything which is obviously like really ableist exactly yeah you know like if you don't if you're not contributing society then you're lazy and it's like no yeah (laughs) exactly that just doesn't work for anyone no and that you don't have intrinsic value as a human being like that that you're this is this and i think this is one of the reasons that to me like human rights are probably one of the most important kind of things that i i believe in and think that the world is that's the only way to make the world better is to honor 
human rights because human rights tells us all that we have an intrinsic value simply because we exist we don't have to prove it we don't have to earn it we don't have to do anything or constantly keep up with what you know society is currently telling us we have to do and that gives you it almost gives you permission to do things like when you are overwhelmed and you are depressed that to rest because that's what you need and you deserve to look after yourself that's just a your right as a human being because you exist and that's a really important thing and it's also like a in our society it's a really radical thing to say mm, yeah it shouldn't be <laughs> you know definitely yeah <laughs> um that that it's ridiculous that simply being like you know what we're not allowed to make people feel worthless because they're not able to do things that other people can do like that shouldn't be such a radical idea but it it is and and i think one of the scary things about austerity and the way that this particular government has um obviously i've got to make it political nicola (laughs) (laughs) of course go for it Um, but yeah that's the scary thing for me is that um they've they've demonized disability to some extent yes yeah that's really scary because that is inherent that is saying that some people have less worth than others due to something that there's nothing they can do about exactly yeah you know and um and that's a really kind of that's a that's a shift away from like the kind of compassionate like social justice that i want to see in the world Mm. um it's it's the opposite of that and i it and that's worrying when that happens because you feel like these you know people have been pushing forward for advocating for disability rights and to be seen as full human beings for a very long time and every time you make a gain there's a pushback um and I, and it just to me it just seems really hard to understand how you get to a point in your mind where you say some people aren't worth anything. Mm. I just don't, I I can't get there in my head. Um, So just can't see the leaps that have been taken in order to come to that reasoning. And it's like, Mm. why, why would you say that? Yeah. I just find it really hard to understand how people get there yeah (laughs) I understand it intellectually I understand that people I understand about kind of the psychology of in groups and out groups and I understand that when resources seem scarce people turn you know when people prioritize Mm. their loved ones I I understand that on an intellectual level but I find it hard to understand on an emotional level how you can sort of really stand by saying the kinds of things which dehumanize other people Mm. because I just think that as soon as you yeah i i don't and like we've all said some things about individuals who we really dislike for one reason or another that we don't mean you know Mm. but i think when it really comes down to it like there's a difference between having a bit of a rant about somebody who has behaved in a way that that makes you feel really scared or hurt and just like denying them their humanity that's there's a big difference between and it's like when those sorts of people have a platform in order to spread that sort of rhetoric and hate to 
a whole load of other people and it's like right you know like you don't have to say your opinion about everything to everyone (laughs) like just just call it like some things can stay inside your head you really don't need to say this out loud because you sound like a dick (laughs) (laughs) I think actually it's that kind of thing that it does make depression worse because whatever the actual origins of the depression whether it is a chemical imbalance or whether it's a an experience in your life or circumstances which have overwhelmed you and meant that you are unable to cope um whatever that is living in a society that isn't compassionate and doesn't help people when they are struggling is of course it's going to make anything that is that is like kind of makes it's going to make anybody feel worse and it's going to make anything worse if it's and it's going to make finding help and getting help or even taking that leap in your brain being like actually i actually need some help yeah it makes it 10 times harder because you're sort of up against all of this societal pressure or mm. stigmatism or anything like that yeah you just sort of like well maybe i shouldn't get help maybe i'm just being stupid and then you mm. internalize it and it all just becomes a whole other issue <laughs> yeah and it's really it's strange because at the moment we seem to, we've got this very polarized sort of or or it looks like we have a very polarized society where you've got people who are very progressive who are sort of saying we need more mental health awareness and understanding on one side and then you've got people who are the exact opposite on on another saying no you just need to I mean there are some people legitimately and genuinely saying to people you'd be better off dead and that is an unacceptable thing to say to anybody Jesus. yeah and you're just there like that is not okay wow ever. like nobody deserves yeah. to hear that but I do think that Another part of the issue that we're facing at the moment is that the extremes are having much more of a voice. And I don't Mm. actually think that necessarily the majority of people are land on either side of those things. And like, obviously we are super left and super progressive and super social justice-y. But I think that most people are somewhere in the middle Mm. and the scary thing is that you all we see are the, are the extremes and then it feels very much like it's a, oh, well, either we're going to go the progressive way and everything's going to be great and wonderful or we're going to go backwards and this this is going to happen. It's going to be terrible. And yes, like, you know, kind of um, things are, you know, politically things are scary and terrible. But actually people as a whole are as bad as the things that are happening mm. <laughs> in politics just just kind of in general yeah um but what they are is flawed and what they are is is feeling like they're struggling and scared and that's when people often do things which are a bit selfish and or a bit kind of um focus just them and their loved ones because they can't cope with the idea there's no sort of like empathy or compassion Mm -hmm. towards other people because it's like like you're saying that they just need to focus on themselves and their loved ones and it's just like nope I've got to get my bubble here and just look at look out for these people closest to me and 
that's it. Everyone else can fend for themselves. Yeah, and the irony of it of it is that you know we are the way to tackle this is to do it as a group, mm. and you understand why people retreat into kind of their own small groups of people that they're right. I'm going to look after me and my own and nobody else, but actually that doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For the vast vast majority of us, like you can't do it. So it's it's a very odd time and i think that it's a t- we're living in a time which makes it worse if you do have something like depression because all of the things that feed it are very very loud at the moment yeah definitely um and very overwhelming and and that's mm. really like kind of my experience of it as being something which is emotional emotionally overwhelming and you just burn out through just trying to cope with the world at the moment that's that's all the time because mm. that's what we're hearing and that's it yeah it's just a never-ending flood of just horror yeah <laughs> just like what the hell is happening but a lot of it is um a lot of it is also anticipated horror mm. um and a lot of it is also, um, I think there are obviously like, there are lots and lots of awful things happening and there's lots and lots of people mobilizing to try and make awful things happen. But there are also lots and lots of people who are doing really wonderful, amazing, lovely things. And often actually those things go under the radar because they're relatively yeah, small. Yeah. Um, but they're really important because those are the things that do keep people going and those are the things that give me hope and make me feel exactly, better. Exactly, yeah. I was about to say that, yeah, I mean, it's all those little things spark a bit of hope mm. and then that might spark something else good to happen and it becomes a bit more like, a, so instead of like a whole load of people shouting bad things, mm sparking sort of like little bits of hope here and there can actually sort of cause uh can't really think of the word but like a chain (laughs) reaction that will actually lead to something better yeah definitely it's really difficult to kind of um this is one of the things i'm thinking about sort of um top tips (laughs) Mm. top tips and this is hard because so much of it is structural and so if you're thinking about like top tips on it's not it's not to be like and then everything will be fine it's Mm -hmm. how do I cope with this right now how do I make it so that I can get through the next hour or the next day in order to keep going um you know so it's it's not it's not like and this will cure it because that's not (laughs) a thing this is how can what what strategies can you use to keep just to keep going until it passes because like again it's it's one of those things where it's like it will pass at mm. some point but you have no idea how long it's going to take and you just have to keep going until it does yeah. but um yeah so have you have you uh, have you got any top tips for when I mean, you... I feel like I'm rehashing my top tips from last week. That's fine. In the fact that um, <laughs> it's basically just just listen to your body. Mm. Like, you know, 
depression is hard and if you're sort of like we were saying if you feel like you've got no energy then you shouldn't have to force yourself to do things yeah like as long as you can get down a bit of food and keep yourself alive Mm. that's basically you know yeah that that that's doing good yeah that's a that's a win (laughs) yeah yeah definitely yeah I would completely agree with that is like strip back absolutely everything to to the 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 very very basic what you need to do Mm. kind so as you said what you need to do to keep yourself going and that could be simply I need to feed myself I need to yeah, and you need to sleep. Like you, mm. you have to sleep. You have to let yourself sleep. You have to like. I think that there's, um, there's definitely something about kind of letting you also letting yourself rest because obviously sometimes, as we've said, the insomnia part of it oh, is yeah. a problem too. <laughs> like, why well, was I exhausted all day? But now it's nighttime. I can't sleep. Mm. I'm awake now. And to some extent, I would say like what you said listen to your body if you're awake at 3 a.m be awake do something read or watch something or do something really really easy and really really calming that you that isn't going to be difficult for you to do Mm. um and eventually you will drop off again um but if you're trying to force yourself into a into a rhythm that your body is telling you is not the rhythm it it can do then it's only going to make it worse although I I mean and I will say that obviously that's a I mean I'm in a very kind of privileged position in terms of I work from home and I'm self-employed so if I wake up at 3am and I end up reading for two hours and I don't get back to sleep until 5am I then don't have to get up until 10 the next day I know that that's not the case for most people so the other thing that I would say is um absolutely take time off work you know oh a hundred percent yeah go to your gp and get a sick note and get time off so that that so that you can do that get you know as much paid sick leave as you can Mm. get as you can afford to have and so again some people can't and that's why our world is wrong and not acceptable (laughs) but um (laughs) but do do your best to to do that so that you're able to take that time to rest definitely um last week I actually took a day off sick because and I said I'm so anxious I just Mm. can't come in today yeah and that's the first time I've actually taken sick leave because of a mental health problem yeah and it was totally the right decision yeah and And it is like like, legitimate like you're not you're not do Mm. you are allowed like legally as well as morally you are entitled to that time exactly yeah you don't have to force yourself to go in when you just feel like absolute shit yeah definitely like and you know you don't have to feel guilty it's like oh well it's not a real problem because there's no physical side effects Mm. it's like well there are physical side effects because you feel like shit or you're exhausted or you just physically can't cope with the going to work or dealing mm. with people 
that's a physical side effect so yeah like as we said before you know your mental health is everyone has a brain (laughs) so Mm. everybody has mental health and whether they have good mental health or bad mental health that is that is associated in some way with your brain which controls your body which means that it's a physical thing as much as it is a mental and emotional thing it's all wrapped up in the same stuff so so yeah I think there really needs to be a shift to not only thinking about mental health as being legitimate because it's psychological and emotional but also legitimizing the the connection, the physical, the mind-body connection. Because I think, I don't want to kind of try and make, I don't want to focus on biology and physicality and say, oh, mental health is legit because of Mm. biology, because I think that that means that we're still prioritising physical illness or physical things over mental and emotional and psychological things. And I don't want to do that, but that is the case, that is true, that is just the fact of human existence. So... So, yeah, I think, like, I think on that front as well, like, I would say ask for help when you need it to, in order to give yourself as much resting time as possible. So um, one of my friends was having a really awful day and she's got three children, three under five. Oh, God. <laughs> I know, and she's on her own. She's a single mom. She's yeah. five, and me and my mum went round because we'd already arranged to go around um and we so basically we were just like right you just you know you go have a bath and you do just all the basic stuff Mm -hmm. have a bath we'll make you something to eat we'll tidy up we'll entertain the kids like you you need to just do the very basic stuff Mm -hmm. for yourself that's that's it that's all you're doing today and obviously if she hadn't had people available to come and do that for her then it just would have kept kept spiraling yeah yeah. but she was incredibly brave and she she told the health visitor and she told other people you know and she asked for help and nobody would have known that she needed that much help and that she was struggling and nobody would have been able to come and help out if she hadn't have been brave enough to say do you know what I'm struggling I can't cope with this and and some of the people who did help her were her, her other friends who also have children are also a bit stressed. Like the idea isn't that you always only look after yourself and they only always look after themselves and nobody trades. Like you absolutely, you have to help each other. You know, if you're feeling, if you're feeling really awful, your friend helps you. And then when they're feeling really awful, you help them. Like we do this. We're both... Yeah we're both completely mental (laughs) (laughs) and we've both had really really dark times Mm. but that just means that we can understand what each other is going through so I don't think oh I'm having a really bad bout of depression so I won't talk to Nicola because I know she also has depression it's too much Mm. because actually there's something quite empowering and important about you know reaching out to somebody else going I know that you understand what this is like you can help support me it's really nice when that happens because you're like that again it boosts your self-worth and you're like oh yeah no this really shitty thing that I have to deal with actually that makes me in some ways a really good friend because I can help support my friends who are also dealing with that thing definitely yeah definitely and like that whole asking for help thing when 
I suppose I was at sort of like my worst point mm. uh, probably about three years ago. Mm. Um, like, oh my God, it was, I have never felt that bad since, mm. touch wood, I never will. But oh my God, it was, my brain had was just, just broken. Like, yeah. It, it just, there was nothing happening. Like, there was no way I could sort of, and it was it was really, really dark and it was sort of like, you know, it got to a point where I was like, maybe I can't carry on, maybe this is it, maybe I should just die. And, like, I never want to get to that point again. Mm. And um, I really, really wish I'd actually asked for help and yeah. gone, you know, you know, I'd, I'd sort of had bad experiences of therapy before where they never really sort of got to the problem mm-hmm. they just sort of just looked at the surface and were just like yeah you're fine now okay off you go or oh, oh you're just a bit shy so we'll get you um some you know we'll do a you can join this confidence group with a whole load of shy people and I was just like that's <laughs> not what I want no. um so I, I I sort of discounted therapy because I was just like well, it's never worked for me in the past, so it won't work for me now. But, you know, I really, really wish I had gone to therapy at that point because if I'd found the right person, yeah, you know, I probably wouldn't have been, you know, it, it wouldn't have taken me so long to recover. Mm-hmm. I Yeah, this is something that I've heard a few times from people who've got, you know, kind of horror stories about... Mm-hmm therapist and actually I was I was listening to an audiobook called uh, My Shit Therapist the other day <laughs> um, which is it's a really great book um but I had to take a little break from it because she kind of acts out a panic attack phone call and oh it was god cool, and yeah. I had to be like I can't deal with this no <laughs> but she was talking about you know sh- shit therapists <laughs> and, um and also on the Guilty Feminist podcast um Deborah Francis White was talking about her shit therapists and I do think that that is something which is a big issue because if you go to the GP because you've been told to go to the GP because you have mental health issues and you need help and most of the time people will leave it until the absolute last resort to go and then they're shit which some of them are um, then as you say you think oh well this was my last resort and now now what? And then also, you know, if you go to therapy because people have said, oh, go to therapy, it's, you know, it'll really help you. And then it doesn't because the therapist isn't right for you. Or sometimes they're just shit. Unfortunately, there are a lot of shit therapists out there. (laughs) (laughs) You know, there's like, you're probably fine for somebody, but you're not for me, therapists. Mm. And that's, that's fine. That's just its own thing. But there's also, you should definitely not actually have a job which involves talking to people therapists <laughs> like what the fuck happened here like, how, how did you come... therapist. yeah <laughs> um so i it's uh so funnily enough like i'd already thought today that next time i think we should talk about therapy and basically like how to like we we say ask for help but sometimes it's really difficult to mm. figure out what does that mean and what where do you go what does that mean what's the best way of doing it and what can you expect and also what what to look out for in terms of if you 
go to a therapist and they are shit what what can you do about it what are you allowed to do about it i think to some extent yeah um i think that's so important because i always say therapy is is you know has definitely saved me but i also know that there are lots of therapists who are shit and i've had bad experiences with therapists where I've, I've i've ended up feeling worse and we need to know that that's actually more common than you expect and actually that we need to not leave it so long before we try mm. you know and um and actually advocate for changing the system um and i would say that charities who specialize in mental health or specialize in the particular mental health issue that you have are often a much better source of support than necess- yeah. than than a GP or the NHS just because mm-hmm. they specialize like that's the whole reason that they are there that doesn't mean that they're all perfect that doesn't mean that there aren't people working in them that that maybe shouldn't be or that there aren't flaws but just in terms of probability (laughs) you're gonna have yeah just sort of the knowledge available they will know a bit more than just sort of the base level yeah you're more likely to get a good response from a charity like mind or rethink mental illness or any of the, the specific charities than you are from from basically like the NHS as a generic whole, because a lot of the time they're not trained and it's terrible, but they're not. So like, I do think that that that's worth a whole other uh, episode. Although if I keep going on, then we're just <laughs> of content. So we'll leave that for another time. Yes, yeah. <laughs> we can, we can talk about that for hours. <laughs> oh God, I really you really can, and it's it's so sad because as you say, it's one of those things where it's like it's very similar to medication. Actually, if you get the right one, or if you get somebody who's really listening and looking at what's right for you, then it can really do so much for you it can do so much good and it can really help you but if you get something if you get the wrong one it can just do more damage and that's really terrible and it shouldn't happen yeah um, but it does you know so a bit of a guide to kind of what to do about that is definitely uh, a good way to go on that one um so yeah i mean yeah depression top tips basically like rest as much as possible ask for help so that you can rest as much as possible and try and try and be kind to yourself mm. because you know try try and kind of um try and tell your brain when it's being mean to you that that's not true and um watch a lot of funny cat videos <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> I mean that's that's the thing, isn't it? Is that it's good to have something kind of on standby that you know is fluffy and nice and calming and easy to watch and or you know kind of do that you can just rely on. Yeah. You know, a book you've read a million times or a series or a film that you've watched a million times, but it's just soothing, nothing challenging. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, just. Don't even try to think about things. Just let things wash over you. <laughs> yeah, just wait. Wait it Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. But yeah, it's really tough. It's really, really tough. Mm. Um, yay. So that's, that's depression. <laughs> <laughs> that's the overview. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, are you are you reading anything at the moment? Do you have a book? I have literally just finished a book actually yesterday, so I've <laughs> not actually started a new one yet. So I don't really know what I'm going to be reading next. Ooh, oh, the possibilities! I know. <laughs> I'll see, I'll see. I'll see what book I have to give back to the library first. Yes. And then go from there. <laughs> what have you just finished? Uh, so I've just finished. Um, it was a book I was talking about last week. It was um, oh god, I can't even remember what it's called now. Sword <laughs> and Pen, I think yes, it's yes. the last book in the Great Library series by Rachel Kane. Yes. And um, satisfying ending. Yes, in a way. I was just like, pause. It, it just sort of, <laughs> I know, yeah, it just sort of ended, and I was like, oh, that wasn't what I was expecting. Oh, okay. But yeah, it's a, uh, it's a good series. I would definitely recommend reading it. Good. I did really enjoy the series, and it, mm. it, it comes, it comes to an end at the right point, if that makes sense. Ah, I see. <laughs> <laughs> I'm reading, I'm on the second book of a series that um, I got on Kindle. Like, you know, they do the deals where yes, yeah. I've got like a 99p deal. And I do tend to like to read. If Yeah, if I'm in, in the headspace I'm in at the moment, which is a bit wobbly, I like to read things which are quite similar. So I mm, usually yeah. go for a sort of young adult fantasy Um I kind of have a general idea of what's going to happen. Mm, yeah. Also, I um, I like. I also know that there's going to be enough variation to um to to keep my interest without it being kind of like, oh God, what happened here? <laughs> Just, yeah, like all the tropes <laughs> thrown in at once. <laughs> Well, yeah, because that's the thing, isn't it? Is that you're a bit like, well, I want, I want to have a, a general idea of what I'm getting into, but I also want to have it interest me enough to keep me going. Mm. And uh, the reason that was rambling was because I'd forgotten who the author was, and I was trying to find it. <laughs> 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 I covered that really well. So... <laughs> Didn't notice at all. <laughs> so it's called. It's. Um... Sunbolt, uh, book one of the Sunbolt Chronicles by Intisar Kahani. Ooh. I don't know if I've said that right. Kanani. <laughs> Intisar Kanani, I think, is what it is. Um, but that's on my Amy Storybook Instagram, and I could, I'll pop it in the description as well, actually, um, as books we are we have read. It's really, 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 really good. Um, I'm on the second one now, which is called something else that I've forgotten but it's the Sunbolt <laughs> Chronicles <laughs> and I read the first one really really quickly I just sort of zoomed through it in mm. a couple of days so um I don't know if this is the I don't know if it's a duology or if it's more of a if, or if there's more to come um but I'm really enjoying it and it's it's that kind of yeah so that kind of young young woman mysterious past danger danger ahoy <laughs> um, magical things happening she has these particular abilities but she's not been trained properly but she's really powerful so it's about her kind of figuring out her abilities and her place in the world and what her past is and what her future is and 
and and sort of being amazing and saving lots of people along the way effectively oh, cool yeah <laughs> it's really really good I'm really enjoying it um so I I highly recommend that as a as a read I do love a good bit of I don't even know if it if it is technically young adult but it's just kind of one of those they tend to put don't you notice they tend to put yeah with young adult your, yeah whether or not it is because <laughs> oh I mean there's a I've I could do a whole podcast series just on <laughs> just on that like yeah because... oh it's written by a woman and it's fantasy oh it must be young adult and it's like no <laughs> because the protagonist is a teenager it doesn't necessarily mean yeah it's for teenagers who are under like 16 or 70 like maybe like 15 or 16 there's a lot sarah j mars books are, t- are in the young yes movie. yeah like, they're a, like they're fantastic but i think but, a lot of parents might be a bit uncomfortable with their like 12 year old reading some of them i mean yeah i mean i read them what when i was like 20 <laughs> and i was just like oh okay <laughs> not what i was expecting <laughs> Goodness me! Like Victorian maidens, don't we? Jesus! Oh, <laughs> oh goodness me! How raunchy! <laughs> yeah, which I absolutely have no problem with. I think it's oh, really no, not at all. It's actually a really good demonstration of like female pleasure and sexuality. Mm. That I'm, I'm well up for all of that sort of thing. But I think that it's infantilizing to put a novel like that in the young adult mm. section as you say just because it's written by a woman and the protagonist is a teenage girl because mm. the content isn't actually oh no not at what all. i would it's definitely adult content it's, yeah <laughs> it's adult <laughs> very much adult so, so that's a thing definitely um so yeah there's there's an interesting oh, sexist thing going on with that but um but yes, that's why you'll find me in the YA section. Yep. <laughs> oh, all the time. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's... Uh, and also, in so I found... So I, I found Daughter of Smoke and Bone in the adult fantasy section. Yeah, that's... I've always <laughs> seen it in the adult fantasy <laughs> section. I'm like, how is... You know, what? what's the what's classification? Is it, is it because YA is a genre? It's not really a genre, but... I don't really know how to describe it. Um, The thing is, is that there's a lot of fantasy literature in young adult literature. mm. There's a lot of effectively female fantasy writers writing about stories from the perspective of a teenage girl that include some sort of magical realism or magic. Um, However, that doesn't make them... That young adult is an age range. It's not a genre. Yeah. it's supposed to be you go there for you know sort of ages 11 to 18 but actually it's ended up being this sort of um sort of yeah this this sort of like pushed into a cornery bit Mm -hmm. oh well this can't be real fantasy because it's not written by an old white bloke that's still happening even Mm -hmm. though it's happening less it's still happening because it's yeah it's like the night circus i picked that up in the adult section yeah um when it first came out absolutely but now it's being pushed into the ya section it's like and um it's like this isn't ya at all i think it's one of those it's one of those things where you're like ya is a really tricky Mm. 
because because teenage and the idea of what a young adult is and 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 what where the transition point is and what stories are appropriate for who is is just so subjective um yeah so i and a a lot of these stories don't just have like graphic sex in they also have like graphic violence as well exactly yeah (laughs) um however i think it's something very I think it's very um, elitist about a particular for like mm. a particular kind of writing. Yes, yeah, and that means that a, some sort of particular kind of writing gets relegated into young adult, and others are considered good enough to be or literary enough to be adult. Mm. Yeah, um, and there's definitely like a very gendered aspect of that, and. Definitely. It's it's very annoying, but also I wouldn't then necessarily want to be like, oh, this isn't appropriate for this section because actually I don't have a problem with teenagers and relatively young teenagers reading about mm. empowered female sexuality. I think it's good for them to read it from that perspective, but I think that the idea of having uh, like putting it into one category is a problem you know that there's yeah. all sorts of things around that that's an issue but it's um it's annoying yeah you're like yeah no i'm 31 and i frequent the young adult area <laughs> it's just like <laughs> i'm no longer young <laughs> according to <laughs> you know the world however these are the stories that i think are often better written and i was gonna say they're more interesting aren't they oh my god like i very rarely pick anything up from like just the adult section (laughs) just because i know that sounds weird doesn't it no you say it as well like adult adult section (laughs) Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) no yeah yeah i just i know the sort of stories that i want to read so i will gravitate to those <laughs> yes and they're the ones that are so the, yeah the, one of the reasons i like them is because i know that they're going to be or i hope to find stories which are um not tropey in a negative way so there's common themes around these particular stories so as i've said you know teenage girl who has some kind of ability which is she's more powerful than other people and they're not trained or they've got a kind of checkered past and all that sort Mm. of thing i wonder why you know teen girls want to read this stuff instead (laughs) considered literature you know of course they do because that reflects our actual ability to be resilient and adaptable and multifaceted and it's because the literary world has not caught up yet with the way that young adults want to see themselves and the kind of stories they want to read because Mm. also they tend to be more inclusive as well yes yeah so I think that's what's going on and so yeah so it's 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 an odd it's an odd one but that's where we like to go (laughs) (laughs) just a 10 minute tangent on uh YA novels yeah (laughs) not exactly i was thinking about that there is there is a bit of i am i do get a little bit frustrated because i'm like you know what no i would like a i would quite like a book written from the perspective of somebody who is my age but includes all those things that i Mm. like about ya novels but it doesn't always have to be a teenage girl yes yeah about 
a story written from the perspective of somebody who is a bit older um that there's just not it's a there's a gap and i think that people don't really know how to fill that gap yeah it's sort of like by when you get to sort of you know you um late 20s early 30s it's sort of like (laughs) and now you go into sort of and there's like the romance genre or the family genre and there's (laughs) no there's no like sort of like the family saga sort of thing and it's like there's obviously nothing wrong with that but obviously not everyone would necessarily want to read those sorts of novels yeah the perspective is missing Mm. um there you go that's what we can do nicola (laughs) yes yeah (laughs) (laughs) all right yeah so um i think is there anything that you want to add that you've not you've not mentioned Oh God, I don't know. <laughs> don't think. Don't think so. I think we've pretty much covered pretty comprehensive overview. Ev- everything you know by ways of politics and books. Yeah, <laughs> usual stuff. <laughs> yeah, you know, standard for us to be honest. Yeah. Yay! Oh, thank you so much for chatting with me today. It's really nice to just go through all the things. Mm. It's a good one, definitely. Yeah. So next time. Yeah. Um, therapy. Therapy. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yay. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.